everybody. It's the Way of Rock podcast with Jeff and Jack. We are on episode 61. What do you got for us with 61? Oh, dear. I don't remember who I got. Um, um, Bronson Arroyo. It's Bronson the Bronson Arroyo, Arroyo uh, episode. Yes, and we also found one other player that had... Oh, no, no, no. This is not a player of note, but I was surprised that he wore 61. Dennis Martinez, who was a pitcher in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, and I think he... The Orioles, I think later the Expos. If I remember correctly, he only had a 61 It was very rare to have number 61 back in the 70s. That was not a number that, that a lot of players had. Well, 60 is kind of the, the cutoff um, for baseball anyway. It kind of is. And, and back in the 70s and the 80s, it, it was even lower than that. I remember when Willie McGee came up with the Cardinals in 1982 and wore number 51. And that was like a number they would give minor leaguers coming to spring training and he stuck with that, which was very strange. And now there's been numerous numbers in the fifties, Randy Johnson being a number 51, Bernie Williams, I think also a 51. Bernie was, a. I want to say he was a 55, but he was a 50. Yeah, I feel like he was a 51. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just, but anyway, we digress with uh baseball player numbers kind of a, a nerd topic that we could probably go on way too long about. Yeah, um, but I, I did just kind of through that notice that uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough to to keep providing relevant players. We'll have the Yasiel Puig episode here in a couple months. We'll be able to do this up until 99 when we have the great So Taguchi. So Taguchi, Wayne Gretzky in hockey. I guess you could go Manny Ramirez if you're feeling Manny boring. Ramirez, yeah. In uh, football, you had Mark Gastineau. Um, you were number 99 for a while. I was. For a minute. You nine. wanted to be 99 for many seasons, and finally you reached that pinnacle. I was nine double, and I retired. And, and retired. <laughs> and then I um, I was nine double in, in the sport of baseball for many years until uh, the final year where we got new jerseys, which meant new numbers. Um, and I wanted to pay homage to the greatest baseball player to ever do it, Larry Walker. So I, I wore the double threes for that that final season. Hall of Famer Larry Walker. Hall of Famer. It took them long enough. Cardinal legend. God darn. <laughs> I was waiting for him to be in the Hall of Fame since, like, what was it? Probably 2010? Yeah, yeah. You had been beating that drum for a long time. He, he, it took him the whole 10 years, which is indefensible i don't know if you've ever seen his stats he's statistically the greatest baseball player to ever grace the field i am starting to feel not that i necessarily agree with that hyperbole but i'm starting to feel about the baseball hall of fame as i do the rock and roll hall of fame it's becoming completely irrelevant you want to try that word again (laughs) irrelevant there you go you know why i say it that way is this like um it's it's an it's one of those things where you do it as a joke yeah. for so long, then you just do it. And there's a character on the Howard Stern show that used to say prevalent instead of prevalent. See, I and, do that. And, and that sticks with me on, on irrelevant as well. I do the same thing with, with um, a few words that DJ Khaled says, such as accurate. I say accurate um, and jewelry, which is already kind of a hard word a to say. people say that. But, uh, it's like people say realtor. D- DJ Khaled says, uh, or nuclear. Um, and I love to say jewelry. Um, and then people. Well, you would say accurate for years and nobody knew what you were talking about because nobody around here knows anything about DJ Khaled. 
We just know that every now and then he shows up on a red carpet and says, oh, yeah, or, you know, whatever he does. I, mean, I don't know what he does for a living. Well, I, as far as I know, that's what he does. That, I mean, he gets paid top dollar to just yell, yeah. He pretty much does that. I think his official. He's like a poor man's little John. No, no, he's not. I think he's. I, I think if, if you were going to get technical, he's a producer um, that produces music. But okay. then he also, yes, he does. You know what I like about rock and roll producers? You don't know who they are. <laughs> Martin it's, Birch is one of the greatest producers to ever grace the the vinyl of rock and roll. If he was outside our window right now looking in, I wouldn't know who he was. Is Martin Birch the producer that one time you were at a gathering with uh, the the friends of the the group of the, the wives' husbands? <laughs> Um and people who aren't really friends but are forced to hang out together. And you, you, you were pl- you had ox as they like to say, and you're like, oh, so you can guess the theme of this playlist. And you were yes. playing Martin Birch songs, the Martin Birch playlist. And everyone's like, what the hell is a Martin Birch? He produced Iron Maiden. He produced Rainbow. He produced Blue Oyster Cult. He produced a lot of classic bands in the seventies. No, yeah, uh, I'll go with a more. Uh, well, this still wouldn't mean anything to you. If if Bob Rock was standing outside my window, I wouldn't know who he was. What about Rick Rubin? Would you know Rick Rubin? I would know Rick Rubin. Okay. <laughs> but Rick Rubin doesn't walk around on red carpets going, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, but like you, you, say, you say it jokingly and, and almost demeaningly. That is 50% of the DJ Khaled. He, he's found a way to monetize just being places and saying he has. It's I, I DJ no Khaled. With that. I'm just saying he's a poor man's little John. I Little John has monetized that as well. Yes, I but I don't know what talent Little John has except for those phrases he has. No yes. And they're more fun. I would I would argue if you broke down the numbers, DJ Khaled's net worth probably laughs at Lil John. And that makes me sad. That's fair. Lil John was in that um what was that, a Dave Chappelle show uh sketch where he was the airport attendant. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes. All right, we, we should move on from this. We're, we're digressing. Way no, but uh, it's entertaining. Everyone's having fun. <laughs> Except the DJ Khaled fans. <laughs> they're, they're angrily typing emails to us right now saying, how dare you not know all of DJ Khaled's accomplishments? Uh, like I said, he, I'm, I'm 90% sure he's a producer that produces music and says his name. I don't know if Lil John does the production. I think Lil John just shows up and says, "Yeah," and and I like him better for it. He <laughs> just like he says, "Yeah," more funnier. He does. Got a little, got a little bit of a, a growl to it. All right, so we're going to talk about a topic that you've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I have week. been wanting to talk about it since May sixth. The, the new Matthew Heafy project, Ibiraki. Yeah. So we're going to forewarn everybody. We're going to mispronounce a lot of words. Yeah, so this album, not the the album itself, is not in Japanese, but the titles are. It is, and many of the the song titles are as well, all of them. In fact, we're also going to talk about the new Behemoth single, which gives us a chance to mispronounce more words. I don't think that one's too bad. Uh, First, though, we 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 need to say an R.I.P. This is not rock and roll, but if an actor can be rock and roll, this guy is rock and roll. We lost Ray Liotta this week. We did lose Ray Liotta. And I was I was thinking in my head that he was in a rock and roll movie at one time. I couldn't find it anywhere on IMDb. I know he played Frank Sinatra way back in the 
early 2000s, I think. But I was thinking he was in a rock and roll movie, and I must have just been thinking of the movie Something Wild, which was his kind of his breakout role in the 80s. And he played kind of a, kind of a, uh, I can't even remember. I wanted to play, you, play, you say he played a psychopath, but I don't think he did. I think he played like the girl, the boyfriend of Melanie Griffith, who played kind of a psychopath. And I think he was kind of a rough dude, but that was kind of a rock and roll movie, but not really. It just kind of had that music video feel to it. As movies sometimes do. Yeah, and then this one did. It's a great movie, Something Wild. It's, it's, it's his first big role, came out in like the mid-80s. Obviously, we all know him for Goodfellas, where he played Henry Hill. Yeah, um, I don't want to... I know we were just talking about baseball for a bunch, and I don't want to be mean to Field of Dreams, but I keep seeing him referred to as Field of Dreams star, and I wasn't alive in that era, so I don't know which one did better, but I feel like... Well, Goodfellas did way better. Now, Field of Dreams is a legendary movie for for baseball fans and and I guess maybe some other people. He was not the star of that movie. Yeah, he was just he Shoeless was just Joe. It. Yeah, he was Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, Kevin Costner was the star of that movie. He actually did that one before Goodfellas. And then yeah, Goodfellas was his his you know major. It made him a star. Yeah, as it should have. I don't know if you've ever seen Goodfellas. It's a fine movie. It's one of the top three movies ever made and speaking of rock and roll there's that great rock and roll sequence where he's being chased by the helicopter and martin scorsese brilliantly mixes in two great rock and roll songs monkey man by the rolling stones and jump into the fire by harry nielsen and those two songs go back and forth while a coked out ray Liotta is is he thinks he's possibly being chased by a helicopter everybody thinks he's kind of nuts Turns out he was being chased by a helicopter. He was onto it. He had it under control, kind so, of. Yeah, just a, and that movie and Martin Scorsese movies in general just use music so well. They do. The other uh, Goodfellas rock and roll connection is, uh, of course, the the Layla usage. Yes, the end of Layla, where they're finding all the dead bodies around New York City. Which, and I know that Layla's. Layla's a great song. I think when I was in middle school, I had to make a top 10 like greatest songs of all time list at a guitar lesson. I'm pretty sure Layla was top four, top three. But uh, I think that part of Layla might be the best part of Layla. Is that out of pocket to say? No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I like that part a lot. Going to, and, and this will be the last thing I talk about with, with Martin Scorsese, because this is a Ray Liotta obit. But the movie The Departed, um, fantastic usage of what's what's the 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 Boston band shipping up to Boston? The Dropkick Murphys. Yes, the reason people know who that band is is they use shipping up to Boston to to great effect in the movie The Departed. I see, and that that put that band on the map, and you know the the, the movie with Jack Nicholson is great as well. So. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. We lost one of my favorite actors in 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 this last week, and uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, one last little, probably the first thing I saw Ray Liotta in before I I saw Goodfellas um, was he played a character in a Call of Duty Zombies map that's located on Alcatraz named Billy Handsome. He's a interesting. It, it's it's um they got a celebrity crew. This was back in 2012 or so. Um, the only two that I can name are are Ray Liotta and Michael Madsen, 
But uh, that's a good pairing right there. It's too bad those two were never in a movie together. Yeah, they were. They were in. Um, they had characters that interacted with each other. But then the rock and roll connection to this is the trailer of that uh, that zombie map when it was coming out, or the intro cutscene features the Johnny Cash Rusty Cage rendition. Oh, that's a good one. It's a really cool little. You cinematic. brought up Rick Rubin earlier. the The Rick Rubin produced Johnny Cash albums that he did right before he died are unreal. I noticed that Rick Rubin. Every time I see, uh, I see a lot of like how Rick Rubin made blank album awesome, and I'm like, how did he do this with so many albums? He did. I mean, you go through the list, and Rick Rubin has produced everyone from. Johnny Cash to Slayer to the Beastie Boys. He to did Eminem in Eminem the Eminem to Danzig, Neil Diamond. He's got a Neil Diamond record in there. I think he might have produced Tom Petty, one of his records. I mean, the the list is way too long for us to possibly remember. But it it, it the touch he has on a the Black Sabbath, the last Black yes, Sabbath yes, album, yes. 13. 13. That's an amazing album. And he got those guys back together in a studio after something like 30 years. And made him sound like Black Sabbath again. It was impressive. Yeah, it's crazy what what Rick Rubin is able to do. But yeah, those those last I think four or five albums that Johnny Cash did, the American Recordings albums before he died. A lot of covers. Speaking of Danzig, there's a Danzig cover, Rusty Cage, um, a Tom Petty cover. I won't back down. The Hurt, obviously. You know, Johnny Cash kind of made that his song. Um, yeah, those records. If you haven't checked them out, they're they're obvious. They're they're not quote unquote rock and roll, but they're about as rock and roll as they're you can get. pretty darn close. Yeah, it's Johnny Cash and acoustic guitar and his voice and a bunch of you know dark songs. Yeah, it it doesn't have the the country feel that you get in Ring of Fire. It's just like right. depressing and sad and dark. So I got to see some live music this last week. I got to see uh, the Iron Maidens again, you, which is. You did the all female Iron Maiden tribute band, and they they were awesome as always. They did their thing. They 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 changed up their set list a little bit. They they did like the real Iron Maiden, and they didn't do Run to the Hills this time. Do they at least do Aces High? They did do Aces High. They did Wasted Years. They did a uh, Flight of Icarus. Uh, they didn't do Two Minutes to Midnight. They the last time I saw them, they did Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which I was I was very impressed by. Um, but yeah, they, they mixed up the playlist, did some deep cuts and it was a very cool show, but what made this one a little different this time around was the opening band, uh, a metal band out of Switzerland, Switzerland. Yeah. I think we, uh, yeah, I, I always, every time I go to say Switzerland, I want to say Sweden, but they are from Switzerland burning witches. That's actually a very common misconception that people make. I notice. I'm sure they do. Anytime. How many countries begin with? SW. I think just two. There's a Swaziland, I think. I don't <laughs> think that's that's the case. I, I think that's a country in Africa. No, I don't. I know the African continent very well. I don't. Do think you? I don't think that's true. <laughs> Who knows? It might be a state in Germany. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. There's no. There. I think you're thinking of. There's a. There's I believe a Swahili tribe somewhere in Africa. That's yeah. A, that too. There's not a country. Uh, well, we'll look that up here. In no, a we won't. There's no need to. I. I'm right. I'm gonna. <laughs> Burning Witches came out. I, I'd, I'd watched a couple of their videos on YouTube. So, and I think I saw like cover tunes that they did. This, this show is all originals. They did a cover at the end. And honestly, I don't know what they did, but they were real fun. They, 
they kind of have the new wave of British heavy metal twin lead guitar sound. Yeah, that's what I heard um, when I listened. Their persona, though, is very early 80s. Lots of lots of like leather and pentagram belts and, you know, throwing the horns and the whole the whole thing, the whole, that, thing. The whole yeah. gimmicky thing, which which is fine. You know, it. The weird thing about that show in general was Iron Maiden fans are, they're getting up there in age. Now you're going to see, you're going to see young Iron Maiden fans at an Iron Maiden show at an Iron Maiden's show. It's mostly old dudes. Yes. So it's kind of weird that you have two all female bands and a bunch of old dudes basically just recording every second of it on their phones. Yes. And that was kind of strange. And the, and the girls in Burning Witches, are, God, they can't be older than, I, there can't be any of them over, older than 30. So they're all quite young, pretty girls singing this metal. And it was in a small club, so we're all, you know, 12 feet from each other. And so it was it was a little weird. But the band, it's, the, the performance was awesome. I mean, they, they, they came out with high energy. They just nailed it. The, the lead singer is just a fantastic singer. And she... She does all the metal stuff, you know. Is this still Burning Witches we're talking about? Yeah, still Burning Witches. And and so I want to throw that out because they, they've they apparently been around for a few years. We're just kind of now getting a taste of them in America. But they were quite fun. I They're still at the level, and, and I kind of felt bad for them after the show. They have to break down their own gear, which a lot of bands do. We it's, watched uh, Crowbot. We watched do Crowbot a few weeks do ago. it. But Crowbot just wears clothes. They're, the Burning Witches... Had to break down their gear and their burning witches attire. Good thing Danny Filton had to take down his. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm always like, can they run back and you know put a sweatshirt on or something first? But, but no, they had their big giant platform strict, shoes. Strict changeover. Right, and they had to, they had to wrap their cables and and take down their drums and stuff. But that's you know all part of, all part of being at that level. I'm sure the Avatar guys had to take down their giant letters at I'm one point themselves. Pretty too. sure I, I've no, I don't think I saw them do that. I don't know if I stayed long enough to see the stage come down. Um, I don't know if you've ever been at the Foo Bar before, but when you're at the Foo Bar, you typically just want to leave, <laughs> right? Leave the Foo Bar as quick as possible. It's no longer, it's no longer there. So, yeah, that's what be, kind of became the red flag, which is in a different building now. And supposedly yes. that's a great venue. No, I've yes, I've I've heard that. That's why I feel less bad about making fun of the Foo Bar. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was. That was some fun live music I got to see in the last week. So I was gonna see live music and then I didn't. Yes, totally forgot about that. We were gonna go to Point Fest last Saturday, and the weather had other ideas. Yeah the 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 entire event ended up getting canceled. Um, now this or, is very strange to me. They say postponed, but yeah, it's gonna be canceled. Um, so it was a very rainy, windy day. It was, and a lot of thunderstorms. And I know that on an outdoor venue, rain is not the problem. It's the lightning. Yes. And the wind, really. Yes. But the way this venue is set up for this particular festival, they've got the main amphitheater, which if you spend more than $6 on seats, you're under a roof. Yes. And then they have the side stages, which are out in the parking lot, and and you're, you're, you're out in the elements there. Yes. So the original plan was to then... 
when the weather wouldn't stop being bad was to cancel the outdoor side stages. Yes. And maybe move a couple of those acts into the main stage and everything would be covered. Yeah, start a little bit earlier. And- start a little bit. Yeah, just just kind of change things around, you know, cut a bunch of the bands, on, you know, unfortunately for them, but hold on to some of them. And- I think the, the plan was um, there's they were moving the two... Um, the Richters, I think, got moved, which I admittedly don't know who they are. They got moved to the main stage, and then Jelly Roll also yes. got moved, and then everyone else. And that's all covered. And like I say, it, the roof for the main stage goes back to like row double O or something like that. So in that range, yeah. And, and, and unless you, and then there's the you know there's like twenty more rows than the lawn. I don't know why the the, the roof can't just extend all the seats, but <laughs> you know I didn't design the place. I don't um, know if anyone designed the place. I think they let up like six toddlers play with Legos <laughs> and then they just created whatever they... So so really, unless you're in the, those last few seats or in the lawn, you're protected from the elements. Yes. So after they made this decision, then within like an hour, they canceled the whole thing. Yes. So I don't know if there was other things in play, like maybe the crews couldn't get things set up in time. I, who knows? We'll, we'll never know because we don't have inside track on that. But the weird thing about that was a half hour after they canceled it, the skies cleared and the rest of the night was clear. Yeah, the day was fine. Yeah. Um, so my my uh, quarrel, I guess, missing Hailstorm and Papa Roach was a little disappointing, but I really just wanted to see Highly Suspect. That was the, uh, that was the highlight of the day for me. Um, and that didn't happen. So I'm a little bummed out, but I imagine... At the very least, highly suspect will be back in. What I'm thinking, though, what I'm thinking is more likely than a point fest is I think they're going to just try to book all those bands to come back on a right a show right right instead of not me and probably not even all of them. No, yeah, they'll I, I, they'll, they'll they'll figure something out that it won't be a it won't be a festival probably. Like you might see a hailstorm at the music park. I right. think that's a right. um, hopefully Papa Roach because they're fine. They can keep doing their thing. Uh, as long as they can get uh, highly suspect at the pageant, I'm I'm all good. And really, none of the bands are bands that we're not going to have another chance. No, it, soon, it so. wasn't, um, from an all, in all fairness, it was probably one of the weakest point fests that has ever happened. Yeah, from top to bottom, if you had to average out. I mean, I mean, Papa Roach is, they're always the third main stage band. You know, it's Papa Roach. Right. Then Chevelle, and then right, right. For Seether's in there somewhere. But you know they didn't they didn't have a Chevelle or Seether, which it's not even Point Fest at that point. <laughs> you know that's that's just the the night of the year that you get to see Chevelle and Seether. Um, yeah, yeah, there was a couple of of the side stage bands that that I would have done. Yeah, Wolfie was there. We were the, the cool thing about the place where I saw the Iron Maidens, which is called a Diamond Music Hall. It's way out in the suburbs in St. Louis, and it's kind of a rock and roll themed um bar and they invited a bunch of the bands that they did play to yeah, come yeah. play that night at diamond which i thought was very cool of them yeah um i i was half not necessarily worried but i knowing um johnny stevens um in the in the way that he is it i was fully prepared for a highly suspect to go down there um i didn't know if they were <laughs> They were going to be welcome because they might they might pack the place out and 
but I, I thought that uh, I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that seems like a Johnny thing that he'd want to do. <laughs> he wants to go play his music. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, again, it, it's kind of okay. I didn't, I wanted to see the bands that were at Point Fest, but I didn't want to do the whole going to Point Fest thing. It's just a, it's a big ordeal. And we had a, we had a, we had things to do in the morning and, yeah, it was it was a weird it was a weird day just as you know for with personal stuff it was it was going to be a mess to try to fit all that in. So it, it's it, a great day when the weather's nice. If you've got one of those you know mid May spring days and the weather's beautiful, then then in Point Fest is really it's really fun because you just kind of go and hang out and you know you go check out a band here and there. Yeah, and and usually especially, I mean it's kind of I I don't necessarily know what the the reasoning for it is though, but it's definitely downsized in the last couple of years. It's been on a slow that's, kind of. I'm sure that's all budgetary. I, I, I'm sure it is, but I mean, there's there like the Point Fest headliner for at least two decades um, was always a, a big deal. It was going to be a Corn and Alice in Chains. Uh, I think the last like big one that they got was Deftones. I think last year was Shinedown, wasn't it? Yeah, which I guess is a big deal. We've seen Point Fest where Shinedown was just a band on the stage, so in my head they're still uh they're still that level. I know they're big, but Yeah, they're a huge band. And they're and we've also seen them so many times that I Right, you it's forget. Not a big deal to you me. Forget, right. Um and that Point Fest then ended up this is Podcat, but not the Podcat. <laughs> Podcat's brother. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but uh the that Shine Down Point Fest, um, they headlined last year. They were also going to headline the year before, um, in twenty twenty with Cypress Hill, but that one ended up getting canceled due to the, the whole world ending. Um, but yes, it's. I feel like I'm just being really mean to Point Fest. I don't mean to. I've had a lot of fun at Point Fest. Um, and I just kind of want it to be great again. Um. Make Point Fest great again. Make Point Fest great again. So, yeah, we really don't have anything on the calendar until you go to Rockfest, I think. No, it's a uh, kind of an early um early summer little little break. Yeah. I missed a few shows here um that I I saw and I acknowledged that I wanted to go see and I and I wasn't able to make it out to it. One of them being Symphony X was at a uh, Red Flag, but they had Hawken opening. And I and I would have liked to see them, um, as well as Raw was at uh, Pops a, a, a week or two ago, and they had a Stitched Apart opening up. They did. Um, so wasn't able to make either of those shows, which kind of bummed me out because I I f- knew they were late May. I thought they were later. I thought the Symphony X was May thirty first, so I thought I had a little bit more time. And then I saw Ross Jennings of Hawken post um, like a a travel day post on instagram where they were at st louis and it was the day after the show and i was like oh man but that's okay i i um so yeah we got a few weeks and then uh we're actually going to see the black moods at a at a private event yes and that's right before you guys head out for rock fest so yeah we got a few weeks here where there's nothing going on maybe something will pop and we can go see and some music another album i don't know if uh we don't have to spend too much time on it but uh, we can mention is the new black keys album because that ties into uh I think we're wrapping up the Rockfest road trip with a... We are, and I do have that on the schedule, so we'll talk about that album on a future show. Okay. Possibly in a few days. Okay. So, yeah, hold your horses there. Okay. I, I was more or less just mentioning that we were uh, 
Yeah, Black we're going to get into that new uh, Black Keys album. I also want to talk about the new Motor Sister album. Yes, I need to give that a listen. We'll we'll do that on a future this episode. This is the Black Metal episode. It is the Black Metal episode because we got a new single from your boys in Behemoth. We do. and um, Quite excited about that. So I have a funny story about this where um, I was just on YouTube the night that it dropped. I'm going to hold my mic like Danzig the rest Danzig? of the Danzig, okay. <laughs> For audio listeners, which are all of you. Yes. He's holding his mic like Danzig. No, uh, so they, um, I, I heard the song first when I watched the music video on YouTube before I even heard the song. And the music video is kind of just like one of those classic, I say classic, you know the, the horror trope where it's like small religious town with like a church and horses. Yes. And then like something happens and someone kills a bunch of people. Basically the... Also the beginning of Kill Bill. Yeah, sure. And so the 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 premise of the video is um this two characters find a like a chest or something and then one gets possessed and kills everyone in the the house. Um and it's only like a 4-minute song, so it's kind of just like this gruesome music video while there's a behemoth playing in the background. Um but the reason I I I mentioned it is because the first time I watched it, I say cuz I barely listened to it, I was just so intrigued with the video that I didn't pay attention to the music at all. So I had to listen to the song a few times, but this is a really good song. It's coming off of an album. Um, I'm going to go on a limb. Actually, I have no idea. Behemoth likes to throw V's where V's don't go. I'm guessing it's a it's an F. It's probably of my Hercules. No, yeah, I'm F. sorry. The album is... Oh, it's, uh, who knows what that album is. The album is, I think it's Opus Contra something. It's a Behemoth album. Um, I don't know if there's a date for it yet. Um, but I'm super excited for that because this uh, is of September. My... Cool. Looks like September 16th for this one. Cause yeah, it... I think that those V's are U's. Yes. But then the V's in the, cause there's another, uh, it can also be a, an F We're, we don't speak uh Polish. Well, the, I don't think I shouldn't speak on something. I'm not like the Polish alphabet. I don't know if is, um, I don't know if they use the, the Latin alphabet. They might use one of those. Uh, European ones. It could just be a rock and roll thing, too. It but could. Like when Molly Crew used to put umlauts over everything. Yeah, but Molly Crew didn't know what an umlaut was. Um, no, but they were rocking. I mean, that was just a thing in the early 80s where uh, people stuck know, umlauts I, on. I know. I think Nurgle's too clever for that. Anywho, this, uh, it's called Of My Herculanean Exile. And it's a really good song. I've, uh, I've given it a bunch of listens. Um, not to transition into the, Ibaraki album too early, but a few episodes ago we were talking about the single off that album with Nurgle, and we were trying to debate if um, Nurgle just did vocal work or if he did any guitar work. And especially after listening to this song, kind of comparing the two, that song is very Nurgle like yes. on the guitar. So I, I do think he had a a large a large part of that. But you know, we talk about Matt Heafy and how how he's a workhorse. Nurgle is just as uh, well. You know, I was thinking about this streets. when I was listening to the to this music for the you know sh- doing a little show prep today, and I started thinking about these artists that are have multiple projects going on, and Matt Heafy is one. Nurgle is another one. The guys in Alter Bridge, yeah, the these guys that have multiple things going on, put out content just. Nonstop, and it and it's so high level. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, they, and and I think it's a to 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 bring it down to like a personal um, example. There's there's people that that you know that maybe they don't have a job or maybe they're just work part time, and they never seem to have time to do anything. But they're not really doing anything. They just lay around and and not do anything. And the people that are doing a ton also seem to have like a full-time job and a side gig and they're, they're doing, they, they just have boundless energy and they just get, con- get things done constantly. And not to say that bands that aren't putting out nonstop content are lazy, but it does seem like the, the ones that do have the multiple projects going on are just, just constantly working. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, um, Matt Heafy all the time. Cause I mean, he literally is doing something all the time. Um, you know, just in the since since COVID happened, I think he's released two albums with Trivium, one album uh, by himself. That's three albums in two years already. Right. Um, and then you mix that with he's he's been doing a lot of just like fun little singles that um, from pop culture that he he just does on a stream and he. <laughs> streams nonstop. He streams nonstop. I don't I don't know how he has time to do anything. He has twin streaming schedule. Twins. Yeah, he's got twins. He's, you know, training jujitsu. He's constantly working out. Yeah, that that dude does not rest. And, you know, Nurgle's kind of this the same way. I think both of those latter two albums from me and that man came out post COVID. Right. Um Behemoth's now coming on an album. He's been touring with them. Uh again uh with uh Matt also Trivium uh has done as much touring as they have been able to. Um kind of opening for uh, opening on that Megadeth Lamb of God bill. Yeah, both these both these guys are absolute workhorses. Um Yeah, and like I said those guys in Alter Bridge, you know, Miles, I that that dude goes from one studio to to a tour to another studio. I I just saw him post last week that he's put the finishing touches on his vocals for a new Alter Bridge. So that'll be the third Alter Bridge album in, you know, since 2016 to also include a couple of Slash albums and two Miles Kennedy solo albums. Mark Tremonti has been on the Alter Bridge albums, a couple of Tremonti albums, the Frank Sinatra project he just did. Yeah. Yeah, those guys just, I don't know how they keep it straight in their head, to be honest. It isn't, an, it's, it's, I mean, I know that Miles isn't a part of the, the Creed equation, but this Frank Sinatra album, I don't know how much you've listened to it. I've listened to the single before the album came out. But you listen to that, and like you, you already knew that Tremonti could sing. But then he sings like that, and you're like, "Why on earth?" I know. You you, you can listen. I, I mean, I don't know any of the Sinatra songs or, or or the titles, but the one that I listen to, you know, he's singing. And then you, as much as I like, love to, I do love the song "Arms Wide Open." It's terrible, but it's fun. <laughs> but like, you listen to that, and you're like. What are we doing? <laughs> I know. I, I I can't, as someone who was around in the Creed days and would hear them on the radio and immediately turn them, I, 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 I don't even get how it's the same bunch of people. Because, I mean, it's, it's literally the same trio with a, with a new singer, and it's just this almost like, like, alt- like I think more people know the name Creed um, well, yeah, they were enormous. But I think with the 
specifically with the with the push that uh, Alter Bridge got from the WWE using their um, music as entrance songs, I think more people know the song Metalingus than they do Arms Wide Open. Not maybe not. It's just like it feels like everyone in the world knows that song Metalingus, right? Um, because it was a very iconic entrance song for a decade and a half. Um, and even that guy just switched it to a new another Alter Bridge song. So like they're they people know who Alter Bridge are, and you know, um, it's it is interesting that they're the same band. It's it's so hard to believe. I know it's so strange. All right, you want to take a break? Come back and talk about Matt Heafy. I uh, I reckon that'll that'll be what we do. All right, back in a moment. And welcome back to the Way of Rock podcast, episode sixty-one. I don't yes. have anything else to say. Um, what do you? Uh, where do you want to start with this with this album? You just want to? It's your baby. Is it my baby? Yeah. I'm going to start off with a a mildly bold statement. And I, I feel like I say this probably nine times a year, but uh, I, listening to this album, it is very hard to uh, it is very hard to see an album topping this album this year. I've had listening to this album is it, it's been I think one of the best albums that take take the societal construct of time out of it in the just in the last like memory of the last couple of years of great albums that we've had this one stacks up with with the best of them i think i i've had i i have so many great things to say about uh about all the work that's put into this album um every song i think especially like the intro and the the outro tracks where it's kind of like a slow little uh what's that instrument called accordion the accordion kind of like it almost sounds like you're in the middle of like france somewhere uh and then you know it's a lot of those one thing that i was i don't want to say worried about because i think whatever matt heafy releases i'm gonna listen to and enjoy but i was concerned of how much the balance between black metal and matt kichi heafy vocals (laughs) Um, and I feel like it was a very good balance where there's a lot of the screaming and a lot of, you know, uh, there's the guest guys like Ashan's in there and, and Nurgle does work and Gerard Way from, um, the one band, My Chemical Romance, uh, has a verse and, but then he also does a lot of his Matt Heafy voice, which is, I, I, I've always maintained since I've discovered Trivium one of the the best voices in modern metal um just and and i think this whole this whole album is it is just one great song after another i think um unfortunately i have a really hard time telling which song is which um yes because th- th- this album to me just real quickly it i didn't even i didn't even necessarily worry about where the one track ended and one track started it just seemed like yeah. one long musical piece. It, it did. Like and, if you were listening to a symphony or, or a classical piece, you know, if you're listening to a 45-minute classical piece, you don't worry about what track is what. No, you don't. And I You think, just listen to it, and that, that's what this is. And I think um, it's either the third or the fourth cut. I think it's the fourth there. Um, and it's kind of a more acoustic-based uh, song, at least for a, a bit, and then it gets a little intense for multiple minutes. 
Um, that one I like. I think that one's Jigoku Dayu, uh, the fourth cut there. Which you're gonna uh, jump right in with pronunciations. Aren't I'm gonna you? go for it. I'm only gonna do a couple. I think my favorite song off the album, and this is the one that I can pronounce, this is the eighth cut Ronin with with uh, like I said, uh, Gerard Way there. Um, which is that? A, do you think that's how that name's pronounced? Gerard, Gerard. What do yeah, you? I'm sure it's Gerard. Gerard. Which is you know, if you've ever met anybody named Jerry, that's what it comes from. Is Gerard. Okay. Now. Saying that, there are people who go with the hard G. The hard G. Those people are insane. So we're just going to call him Hot Rod. <laughs> uh, but I think this song is is really crazy because if you told me going into it, one of the singers is going to do clean vocals and one of them is going to do black metal vocals, it would have been very easy for me to tell you who was going to do what. Correct. So they didn't do that. They did not. <laughs> Matt Heafy does the singing and... Gerard Way walks in and just starts ripping some black metal vocals that I didn't think he could do. No, and um, I, I have seen My Chemical Romance live. I don't know a lot about them. Um, I know I didn't care for them that much, but yeah, he he nails it. Yeah, um, it, and I mean, I was my upon first listen, I was like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. Um, the other. The other uh, features are pretty what you'd expect. Like we said, uh, the song with Nurgle feels to have a very strong music, musical presence from... And it's a a very behemoth-like song, I think. Um, and then the ninth cut, which I'm not going to attempt with Asan, is, uh, is another one that's kind of what you'd expect. Um, Asan does his thing in, a, in its impressive... Uh, yeah, most of these songs on this album, I think the like the riffs are really good. There's a lot of good interludes between like where a song will kind of slow down and it'll be a uh, just a fun little guitar doodle thing that he'll do, and then it'll kick right back into just kind of this assault of Japanese black metal, and it, and it's like I think conceptually it's really cool. Um, it's a very layered album. It is. It and it's kind of looking i hadn't seen this um paragraph before but it's it was interesting kind of pre-show reading kind of where each song came from and uh the tie into japanese culture and, and things of like that is japanese black metal a thing i don't think so okay um you're, you're not i'm not well not familiar with any i'm not familiar with it personally gotcha. um it could be i think uh you know Trivium's dabbled, um, especially with the Shogun record, um, kind of with uh, Japanese culture. Um, so it was cool to see uh, Matt kind of do this thing on his own, especially, you know, we've watched him piece together music kind of for the last two years anyway, just right. doing his own thing. Um, I would like to... I would like to know who's doing the like the actual music. I don't know if Maybe the drums are pieced together with a program, which is I know is very common these days, um, and easier than finding a yeah, drum. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of did it all. Which, yeah, I, I would. I'm open to that. I'm curious if um, I'm curious if any of the Trivium guys kind of. I know a lot of times when. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you that question, and I guess, I guess you don't know the answer, but I was curious if he brings those guys in if they've all got their their own stuff going on. Which, what I would like to see now, and I and it's probably unlikely. Um, in at least in this scenario um but i would like to see um this live of course 
Trivium tours nonstop, so I don't know when there'll be a chance to do that. What I would love to see is uh, them, Matt, pull double duty. I don't know if you can do that with with this kind of music. Um, I feel like that takes a lot of toll, a lot of a toll on your throat. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I I could go deeper. I feel like I'm just gonna keep repeating myself. Really, I every song, like I said, it's hard to differentiate which one is which because I can't conceptualize any of the the titles but you know one to ten i think this is a great album the intro and the outro is great the eight cuts in the middle um it's been one of one of my favorite albums from this year i think it's going to be probably one of my favorites at the end of the year um and that's all i got is uh it does say here in this in the in the rundown on on uh on iTunes that I guess there is a drummer. Okay. Alex Alex Bent. Alex Bent. He? So that is the Trivium he drummer. Is, okay. That's what I was gonna ask if he was the Trivium drummer. So he's at least got him in there. Okay. That's what I was most curious about was the drumming. Um and I know a lot of times whenever an artist goes and does a solo album, his background band's usually just his band. Right. But uh, so yeah, that's that's interesting to know. Alex Bent um has been with Trivium for the last couple of years now, and he's he's incredible. I know uh, they kind of had a meme for a bit because they they kind of went through drummers left and right. Um, were they exploding? No, I don't think they were spontaneously combusting on stage. But uh, I know that they've had uh, Alex for a few few albums now, and they seem to really like him. And I know. I think for like the last three or two or three years on April Fools, they will, will release a uh, statement that they parted ways with him, <laughs> um, and people always fall for it, as people do, as they do. Well, yeah, this is a really good album. It's called Rashomon. It is out now, so do pick it up or give it a listen on on whatever means you use to listen to things. Uh, I should say too that going back to the the Behemoth single, they're actually on tour right now with Arch Enemy. Yes. And not coming anywhere near us, unfortunately. But if you get a chance to catch that show, I do believe that would be a good one to see, Arch Enemy and Behemoth. Someone else on that bill, too, or is it just I'm uh, Not knowing that I can call off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah, but they're they're making the rounds, you know, literally everywhere but where we live. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Is that about it for you? That is about it. Cool. Well, we'll wrap this episode then. Everyone, go to our website, please. You can support the podcast by clicking through to the store and getting yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie or even a tank top. Jack's got the new uh, The Way of Rock tank top. I do. I really like it. it and yeah, it's, it's, well. it's tank top weather. We'll, we need to get a picture of it and put it up on the socials. We do. I'll make sure. It's probably going to be in my uh, rotation of Rockfest uh, attire. Yes. Um, I'll, we'll, I'll... we'll get a picture of that and put it up on Instagram. You can save 15% on just such a shirt by entering in promo code ROCK1. That's ROCK1. Save yourself 15% on a t-shirt, a hoodie, or a tank top. You can email us at itsthewayofrock at gmail.com and find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's The Way Of Rock. So for Jack, this is Jeff, and we will talk to you next time. (laughs) 